Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back as we end the week this Friday, September 15th, 2023. I am Seth Leaps in open, loan, open loans, open lines, not open loans, open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. Anything you want to talk about, 602-508-0960. Um, anything you want to contribute, anything you want to bring up. I'm thrown off a little because I see the all double timing me to the Occident here. We've got David Dahl, my producer. We've got Mr. Bill and we've got Terry all to my West. Why are you not to my North, Mr. Bill? It's throwing off the equilibrium here. The, 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 the entire echopose of this operation is the entire echopose of this operation is teetering. Okay. now good. We're balanced. Okay. We have ballast. We shall no longer listeth. There is a, um, a long uh, series of rhetorical concerns I have wedded to ideology. First of all, I cannot get past the arrogance of Mitt Romney's statement yesterday. Someone sent it to me by email asking me if I covered it. I did, but perhaps not at the appropriate length or not with the appropriate depth. This is the quote he said, Yesterday, when he announced his uh, retirement, not resignation, but retirement from the Senate, he says he's not seeking another term. First of all, did you guys just I I mean, we did point this out, too. Did you all know it was just he's only been in office one term as senator? Yeah, we we were talking about that. It it seems like it's been longer. But uh, he says this, and I'm quoting directly. There's no question but that the Republican Party today is in the shadow of Donald Trump. He is the leader of the greatest portion of the report. Republican Party. It's a populist, I believe, demagogue portion of the party. Look, I represent a small wing of the party. If you will, I call it the wise wing of the Republican Party. And I don't believe we're going away. I think ultimately we'll see a resurgence and come back into leadership of the party. Well, this notion that he represents the wise wing of the Republican Party is, of course, an insult to the entirety of the party that rallied behind him when it was the year 2012, and he didn't represent a small wing of the party. That was when he won the nomination against a lot of other candidates. I was part of that race. I was working for Rick Santorum in that race in 2011 and 2012, and uh, Rick chased him pretty closely all the way to the convention. And Mitt Romney in those days, was saying things like, I'm, what would he say? I'm severely conservative. He said, I'm severely conservative because people questioned his conservative credentials. And as Mr. Bill likes to point out, the moment he heard him say, I'm severely conservative, he knew this guy knew nothing of conservatism. No conservative has ever said they're severely conservative. But Mitt Romney, as I was saying when he originally announced his retirement on the show a couple of days ago, what I was saying on the show a couple of days ago was that this is the one candidate I and so many others, even people who have worked for him, I think Tevi Troy said on this show, that he's never met a candidate who <clears throat> who stood for so little. 
This is a man who I don't know if it's been a finger in the wind, but it's a man with no anchor, no moorings whatsoever. For example, as I said, he ran as a liberal when he ran against Senator Ted Kennedy for the Senate in Massachusetts. And then he ran as a liberal again when he ran for governor of Massachusetts when he was elected. And then as he was eyeing the potential of becoming the nominee or as he was eyeing the potentiality of the nomination for the Republican Party, he decided not to run again for governor, not to run for reelection because he knew he couldn't get reelected. And he had then all of a sudden become pro a, a pro-life Republican. He, he, he ran in Massachusetts as a pro-choice Republican and ended up his tenure as a pro-life Republican. When he was asked what caused his conversion, he said it was studying the embryonic stem cell issue, the embryonic stem cell research issue that convinced him of life. And it's the, pardon the lace majesty here, one of the few things I would quote Jonah Goldberg on, and being so very smart, Jonah Goldberg said, this must be the first man in history who can be told of images and shown of images and told of practices where you use a hammer claw to destroy a life in the womb in the late term of a woman's pregnancy, and that would do nothing for him because he maintained his pro-choice credentials in the middle of the partial birth abortion debate, but then discovered these microscopic embryonic stem cells that convinced him of life. It made no sense. It didn't gel, and thus it wasn't aspic, as they say in the movie Psycho. Then the man does earn the nomination of the Republican Party, and then he, of course, after losing, goes nowheresville, only to decide that when it came time for Donald Trump's nomination, he would give perhaps the most strident anti-Trump speech anyone had given in the Republican Party. Then when Trump won the presidency, he angled to become Trump's Department of Homeland Security or Secretary of State with that famous picture of them meeting at, I believe it was the Bedminster Country Club. And then, of course, maintaining his position in the Senate in 2018 with um, a record that has shown itself to be nothing. I don't know of a single piece of important legislation that he offered that he made news on. Now, I understand the Republicans weren't in the majority, but has he stood for anything? Has he stood for anything other than to throw grenades inside the tent of his own party, a party that rallied to and behind him? To say that that's the wise wing of the party, if that's wisdom, I want no part of it. It seems to me Tom Cotton's pretty wise. It seems to me Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana is pretty wise. It seems to me J.D. Vance is pretty wise. It seems to me Josh Hawley is pretty wise. It seems to me Ted Cruz is pretty wise. It seems to me Rand Paul is pretty wise. These are all smart people with obviously also advanced degrees, not that you need them to be wise, from great schools. All of them I just mentioned, I believe, off the top of my head, are graduates of either the University of Virginia, Harvard, or Yale, or all of them. All of them who are on board with today's Republican Party, all of whom Mitt Romney is attacking as unwise. The populist part we've talked about before and the demagogue part we've talked about before. I believe Mitt Romney is a demagogue. 
I believe anyone who lambasted Donald Trump the way he lambasted him only to try and secure a position in his cabinet because it would be a good resume enhancer for a man who's building whose 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 life story seems to be about building resumes, running for Senate, running for governor, running for president and then running for Senate in another state. Seems to me he's the one who is the demagogue here. As far as populism, we've talked about that. I'd be curious on your thoughts of it. It depends what the populism is for. If populism is meant in its original sense, which is a left-wing sense, which is in a socialist kind of political movement in this country sense, then of course no one's for that. But that's not what Mitt Romney is saying. He's saying something entirely different. If it's the populism based on political principles of those who don't feel that the establishment has their interests at heart, if it's a populism of conservative principles that's running against an elite in a party like Barry Goldwater's was against, you know, the Eisenhower part of the party or the Rockefeller wing of the party, do remember that William Buckley, who's probably the most principled conservative of the 20th century, considered himself to be a populist when he ran for mayor of New York City. Do keep in mind the people he appealed to, and do keep in mind that when he ran for mayor in New York City, he was getting the kind of voters that support Donald Trump now. Do keep in mind that when Barry Goldwater ran for president, he considered himself to be engaged in an uprising of populism, but an uprising of conservative populism. I think one could make the same argument excuse me, make the same argument about Ronald Reagan, particularly when you look at the Reagan Democrats who attracted to him, particularly in places like Michigan, which is in the news today. Those very UAW, uh, those very uh, UAW labor workers right now, union members right now who are protesting, were the voters that Ronald Reagan picked up based on their view of his support for their issues, which they thought the traditional Democratic Party had abandoned. Populism for what and based on what is the question. But if Mitt Romney thinks he's the only wise wing, he represents the wise wing of the Republican Party, you know what? Happy retirement, Mr. Romney. We'll let our dummies take over from here. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show on this year open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Where am I going to? Rick. I'm going to Rick, who's in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hi, Seth. How are Thanks you? for taking my call. Great bumper music there. Southern Nights. Uh, yeah, yeah Glenn Campbell. One. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, that's a great one. Do we hey, need to play? Uh, do we need to play the old uh, Big Red Chewing Gum song by Glenn Campbell? We probably do. I don't remember that. Yeah, I think it's it's. Um, it's try a little kindness. Yeah, it's try a little oh, kindness. It sounds okay, just okay, like the Big Red. Red. Can you line thing. up both the Red, Big Red song and that? The Big Red commercial. Huh? Okay. To play at the same time. No, not at the same time. But one <laughs> I was against... going to say, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> no, just one against the other. Just play one segment of the chorus and then the other of the Big Red Chewing Gum commercial. Let me consult my Google machine. And I'm telling return. you, it's the same song. Someone didn't get Yeah, credit. try a little kindness. That's... Glenn Campbell was great. Yes, he, he, was. he was. He was terrific. I believe he, he really... was part of... Um, uh, he was part of the Wrecking Crew at one point, if I'm not mistaken. I I think I've heard you say that yeah. before. I I'm not that familiar, but yeah, I I think that's right. 
Well, so, he uh, that if you haven't seen that documentary, do yourself a favor and see it. The, the, the Wrecking Crew. It's a great documentary about these musicians in uh, in Hollywood. And uh, okay. oh my gosh, the, the, it's the, just so good. The Wrecking Crew. Yeah, you'll know every song. Okay. You'll know okay. every single song. All right. Yeah. I'll I'll look that up. I'll it's look fabulous. that up. So, hey, amen to your uh, to your monologue today. Uh, and I, I think I might uh, agree with uh, Mitt Romney, though. Uh, he is a wise guy. Yeah, he's a wise guy, all right. <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't Mitt Romney the one that had the fake Twitter handle? Yes, uh, Pe- Pepe yes, yes, with a weird Pepe name. Le Gosh, it was a weird Pepe LePou. It was something. Pepe LePou. I don't remember what it was. Was it that? I thought it was something else. Wasn't no, it? it was. It was. Danger it was, it was or something Pierre like Delecto that. Something or something danger. like that. But I always, I always thought Pepe LePou fit better. Well, there's something about that. <laughs> I don't you know, know why, but car- there was something about... Anyway, I can't remember it and put it all together. I think it was Carlos but, Danger or or was that the they, other guy? That was oh, that was, the, that was yeah, who yeah, was, that was the representative was from New York. Danger? That was Anthony uh, Weiner. Yeah, that was Anthony yeah Weiner. somebody yeah, yeah Carlos Danger yeah. yeah, Pepe Le Pew was the old uh, cartoon yes, character. Of you course, know right? Yeah, but hey, Seth, your uh, your um, your monologue yesterday was just outstanding. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me of something I've heard you say, uh, you mentioned a number of times, and is, and, and is significant and bears repeating many times, about uh, that uh, 50% of the high school graduates fail history or something to that oh, effect. Oh, sure, yes, right. Uh, let's see. So according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, NAEP, also known as the Nation's Report Card, the I think most education experts will will say that it's the gold standard of testing, and they test in all kinds of areas from geography to language to science and civics. Uh, so their U.S. history test has uh, high school seniors who are tested in American history, U.S. history, uh, 50% below basic, which is F, which is a yeah. failure. And my point about that is, we are graduating. We are sending 17 and 18 year olds right at the cusp of, you know, getting the right to vote, perhaps going to college, perhaps joining the military, but really entering adulthood for all intents and purposes. Uh, we're sending them into a country they don't know. Uh, I often yeah. uh, like to quote um, my old boss and saying, say what you want about uh, illegal immigration. And there's a lot to say about it. But we're making uh, aliens of our own children here. Yeah. U.S. school And system. I think that ties in very well with your monologue from yesterday, and it reminded me of a quote from uh, George, George uh, Santiana, yeah. uh, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Yes. And so it occurs to me that there are three reasons that that happens, or at least three reasons that I can think of. One is they've never been taught it, mm-hmm. and that's what those students fall into. Mm-hmm. They've never been taught our past. No, they and haven't, so, and what they have been taught is a deeply propagandized version of it, which is right. the concern I have. Yeah. 1619 CRT. All yeah. that stuff, because as C.S. Lewis put it in The Abolition of Man, to miseducate a child is to subject him to propaganda as an adult. The more you, the more you miseducate, 
the more willing people will be to believe in anything, anything as yeah. foolish as that kind of stuff that's being peddled around and people are accepting it. Exactly, exactly. And then the second category is those who are just careless and they just don't pay attention to stuff. They just go through life uh, willy-nilly and don't pay attention. And the third category I see is those who don't want to know. And I would suggest, Seth, and I'd like to get your feedback on this, I, I would suggest that that is the reason that we are one of the reasons we may well be heading into another COVID crisis because we have forgotten the past. And that's one of the reasons why we have so many crazy things going on, because we have forgotten the past. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten the mistakes that have been made. You know, how can Fauci... Be considered an expert again. Because well, I, the, the, it's you know it's an interesting thing. I, I was just so curious as to I think I was talking about this with Bethany Mandel on the show about uh, a week and a half ago. I was it was just so curious to me how few who got COVID wrong were willing to admit or say anything about that. Yeah, and. Um, the only person we saw that did, there was one, to give her credit, Leanna Wen, a physician right. who was on CNN and writes for the Washington Post. She was the only one that admitted she was wrong. Uh, she was the one who called, I believe, for an amnesty, saying we were wrong and let's, let's, let's declare an amnesty on this rather than a recrimination. Um, I, 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 that would have been welcome. That would have been welcome. But no, right. no one joined her in that. And, you know... We were pointing out just the other day, uh, two days ago maybe, that of all the posts you would think that should have Senate confirmation, do you know that the head of the CDC does not require Senate confirmation? I, I didn't know it until uh, yeah, you mentioned I, I, it. It's, it's a funny thing. And Ted Cruz is proposing legislation that um, that would make it so. But yeah. yes, they all, they all got things wrong. They all misled. Not all. A lot of them misled and a lot of them lied even the new york times called out anthony fauci for lying when it came to herd immunity they actually yeah. said he told three different stories and misled the american public and he admitted to it all right so what are we yeah. doing here hold on stay with yeah. me what are we doing here Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Do we want to try, before I go back to Rick, shall we, shall we analyze this? Shall we crowdsource this? The thesis I have is Try a Little Kindness by sung by Glenn Campbell. I don't think he wrote it. In 1969, was ripped off by the Wrigley Company for the big, I'm going to get in trouble for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> the state of Glen Campbell may have a lawsuit against the Wrigley Chewing Gum Company for Big Red. Young David, do you want to try it, or is it not quite ready? Not quite ready. All right, we'll go to Rick. All right, Rick, we may have to be interrupted by that, our musical okay. investigation okay. here. I, I, I am in total agreement with you. If, if they weren't 
the same song. They were so close that somebody had a lawsuit. So, the Glen Campbell estate, yeah. They may have yeah. a claim against Wrigley, I'm guessing. It did... Uh, did the same artist write both of no, those songs? No, 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 it wasn't. Okay. Um, it okay. was uh, Kiss a Little Longer uh, was written by someone totally different, composed okay. by, according to Wikipedia, composed by one Peter Cofield from okay. Sunday Productions in New York City, and the Glenn Campbell song was written by someone else altogether. Well, well right. I t- it, it was really, really, really close. I thought so, too. <laughs> I thought so, too. Anyway, you were yeah, making that's, yes. That's, we were making this point about oh, that's it. Pierre Delecto was Mitt Romney's name. That was it. Pierre Delecto. Yeah. 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 Pierre Delecto, and I don't his, remember who Carlos. Yeah, Carlos, Carlos Danger, Danger was, was uh, somebody else. Who yeah. Was no, it? Carlos Danger was uh, Anthony Weiner. Yes. Who was that's married right. to Huma Abedin? Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. All right. Hold on, Rick. Here we go. Here's your compare and contrast for okay, a fun good, Friday. Start with good. one. We used the other. to call these fun and then Fridays. I've both. We used to call these fun Fridays. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Go ahead. Bear with. <laughs> All right. All right. That's the original. All right. Here's the commercial. Kiss a little longer. Hug a little longer. State your case a little longer. It's the same song. It's the same. Just is, wait. Just wait. How is that not the same? Now overlaid with each other. Oh, gosh. Kiss a little longer. Okay. All right. We're going to get fired for this somehow. But, uh, David, thank you for your prowess. I think it's the same song. So, Glenn Campbell's version is a little slower. It's definitely a disco version of Glenn Campbell's it's song. It's a disco yeah. version of the Glenn Campbell song. Well there done. You, there you go. Young yeah. David, well good, done. Good, good wait, job, David. Now Mr. Good Bill job. wants to weigh in. Uh-oh. All right. Wait. Okay, Who's David. Now, yeah. now, hi, Rick. Mr. Bill. Now, David. Oh, hi, do- Mr. Bill. Good to hear your voice, man. Good to hear you too, Rick. My my buddy. Now, David, can you put both of those songs on at the same time along with Ranchera music? (laughs) 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 Are you going to show yourself? (laughs) I'll leave on a high note. (laughs) You can show yourself. Everybody. (laughs) Okay. Rick, the the teaching of American history, the distortion of it, you know what? It's a real crime. And it's an intellectual crime because um, I believe the story of America is the second greatest story ever told. And yeah. it, what they have done with it, and what they, when, they, when they either make it boring or propagandize it in order to turn people against this last best hope of Earth, last greatest hope of Earth, last best hope of mankind, depending who you quote, Lincoln or Reagan. Um, I believe it's an intellectual crime to rob these children, to rob our citizens and immigrants who, you know, schools are also built for, legal hopefully, primarily, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. to teach them about this country and to misteach them about this country. You tell me what the right thing to do is. You tell me what the wrong thing to do is. And then you have to ask yourself, how is it? How is it that great countries fall? 
Great countries fall when they lose their memory, when they lose their memory about who they are. The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon it, which on which it was founded, Montesquieu said. Reagan was fond of quoting him on that point. And that's exactly what we're going through. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and that is the genesis of uh, uh, of so many problems in our culture and so many problems that we're facing today. Of course today. it is. Of course it is. You can't be one people with one constitution when you have... Okay, you want me? I'm sure. We'll be right back. Okay, I, why do I feel like I've lost control of this show? What did we go out with? What was that ranchero music? Do you know what that is? No. You have no idea That's what That's why that I'm is. asking. That no. was Elvis Presley singing in Spanish. For one of his movies, one of my favorite movies of his, called Fun in Acapulco, and he was singing a Spanish song called Guadalajara, which I believe is the province that Acapulco resides in. I'm not sure that's true. You're not sure that's true? Guadalajara is the capital of Jalisco. Jalisco. Yeah. Is there a Guadalajara province? I don't know. Well, I've never been to Mexico. It's the capital of, it's the, it's and you know the capital of Jalisco. Fun from fact, which... Elvis wasn't even in Mexico when he filmed that movie either. He wasn't allowed to be in Mexico. Well... Jalisco is known for what is Jalisco known for? Um, tequila. You can't. Oh. Nothing can be called tequila that doesn't come from Jalisco. Adult beverages. Much, <laughs> much like bourbon has to be from Kentucky. Yes, yes, I get the reference. Okay, are we done with Rick? Let's find out if Rick has said his piece. Rick, are you at peace with everything? <laughs> Thanks for the fun, you guys. Seth, you inspire me, and I'd like to make just one final point, if I may. Yes, sir. Uh, I believe it was was it Aristotle who said uh, the highest virtue is courage. Yes. Okay. The first virtue. These, the first. The first virtue yeah. is courage. These are all building blocks, and if you don't know your past and you don't know the story of America, where are you going to get your courage? Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. And what are you going to want to fight for? I mean, that's really that, the issue. Why would you fight for a country you don't know? Why would you fight for a country you don't like? Why would you fight for a country you don't esteem? That's another crime in misteaching American history. That's that's it. That's it. All right. This is the that's... only show where you can get in one segment Montesquieu, Elvis Presley, Aristotle, and Glenn Campbell. Okay? Just... I should make that a promo. Yeah. Well— I just said it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, more uh, always fun. Rob, hi. How are you, Rob? Seth, we've got more names to continue with. Okay. One is uh, Oasis and T Rex. Um, these are two bands oh, that uh, I, I told you I lost David. control of the show. Okay, go okay, on. No, no, it's it's Fun Friday, right? Okay, yes, it is. Um, yes, it's been declared. Uh, T Rex sued Oasis because T Rex is bang the gong. Uh, was very similar to, um, and in, uh, in Dave's honor, I'm going to uh, sort of modify the title of the Oasis song called uh, Tobacco Products and Adult Beverages. Oh, cigarettes and alcohol. You can say cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, okay. Dave was, Dave, <laughs> Dave, I don't think we add, I think we don't advertise that stuff, but we can we can talk oh, about okay. that stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think T-Rex actually won that uh, legal battle. Okay. Um, one, that's, that's my musical input for the day. Didn't Bruce um, Willis do a version of Banga Gong? He may have. Yes, I don't know. Did. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Well, was it? Was it in? Uh, it, was, no, you know, he had Bruce Willis had a ba- had a band. 
and oh, okay. uh, and it was uh, Get It On, Banga Gong, right? That's the name of the song? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis had a band. I don't remember what it was called. You know who will know all of this? Pete Peterson. He was in a ska band, and he's actually going to be in studio with it. He'll know all of this. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Bacon actually has a band, too. Yes. Um, but uh, who cares? Um, one of the things, uh, I'm going back to history I like now, Kevin. The, Is there a reason not to like Kevin Bacon? Well, I know that um, he and his lovely wife um, were uh, dancing during Pride Month um, on a video. Oh. Uh, so they were very, and that's their right. I mean, uh, I have I, I, think, I ran into him once a, at a hotel. Did you? At a hotel here in Phoenix, and I'll tell you how the mark of a something that I kind of liked seeing. <clears throat> I ran into him. I said hello, and he was. You know what he was doing? He was standing out in the hot Arizona sun, having a prolonged conversation with the um, with the, uh, the 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 the. the why am I losing my mind here? The people who park the cars uh, with the yeah. yeah with the with the what are they called? Yeah, the valets. The valet. And yeah. he didn't have to. I mean, his car was right there. You could tell his car was waiting for him, and he wasn't. And his I think he had a driver. His driver wasn't uh, wasn't absent. His driver was there, and he was having a prolonged conversation with the valets. And I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, now, with, uh, with history and, yeah. and the tragedy that American students aren't learning it, not only is it tragic that they're not learning it, but um, when you get older, um, and fortunate, fortunately for me, I, I had a really good background both in high school and at, uh, uh, at the Naval Academy on history, um, pretty solid, pretty straightforward, uh, and I thought it was fascinating. I had just finished reading um, two books that are – I think quite fascinating. One is uh, called Feud. It's the uh, the feud between the Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, yeah. I think Dean, Dean King is the author, found it to be one of the better ones. Uh, and that, that gives you a big taste into the, uh, well, kind of Civil War, post-Civil War, up till about 1890 or so, and how the feud was and uh, why it kept going. And I guess they, they signed something in 2003 between the Hatfields and McCoys, uh, some of whom still live in that area, that uh, they promise not to go to war with each other. But I think that's a kind of a nice slice of American history. It is a lot of a lot of people don't really, uh, if they didn't learn any American history, uh, they wouldn't appreciate the many many right. things that went on in America right. during uh, during the American. Uh, they, they they just have no reference point experience. to it. Yeah, it's like That's watching right. the King and I or something and trying to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. The other one, the other one was I finished a few weeks ago. Um, was uh, High Times, Hard Times. It was the autobiography by Anita O'Day, who was a jazz singer. Yeah. For Gene for Gene Krupa yep. and Stan Kenton and yep. a bunch of other people. Yeah. She went into the bebop era. Yeah. And she she was uh, actually featured in that uh, jazz on a summer afternoon at Newport, Rhode Island, uh, 1958. I think. Oh wow! I saw that video. I thought it was I thought it was just classic, and and it went through not just her trials and tribulations in her life, um, but it it also kind of went through the history again, sort of a musical history of jazz, um, starting probably in the 30s, uh, and her life where she came from Chicago. Uh, where that's where obviously she met Jean Krupa, but she would she would just she actually started with those marathon dances, you know mm-hmm. the they don't shoot horses mm-hmm. do they mm-hmm. kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then she uh, found out that uh, she liked to sing, and she 
wanted to keep singing. Uh, and so she did, and she didn't let anything stop her with that. But, you know, um, flight- Walter Burns is a political philosophy professor I just love and often quote, uh-huh. uh, passed away in 2015. Um, and um, he said, all great history is biography. You can learn so much history through biography and great biographies Absolutely. at that. And even musical biographies. Musical biographies are a fabulous way to learn about the cultural history of America. I'm oh, glad yeah. you, I'm and again, glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, and and again, for those that don't learn American history to begin with, they could never possibly appreciate the little snippets that you get throughout your life uh-huh. uh, if you're reading about it or even watching movies. I mean, you know, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. for instance, is uh, is a real eye opener. And again. You know, uh, Bridges of Toko Ree, where do we get such men? Yep. Well, that's that's a darn good question. You know what um, Reagan said? He days. used to he used to say, "Where do we get it? We get we get him here in America. It's hard. It's harder. It's harder now because yeah." yeah. Uh, Rob, I got to run, but God bless you, sir. Okay. Have a great weekend. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service, and thank you for interjecting questions I can ask Pete Peterson about, like who is Oasis and who is T Rex. Okay, we'll be right back. Is that is that music getting us ready for Pete Peterson from the uh, shores of Malibu to the sands of Phoenix or very something? Very appropriate. Yes, yeah, very nice. appropriate. I'm so excited Pete's coming in. I've never met him. He's my best friend I've never actually met, and uh, he's in town, and I learned later this mo- earlier this morning that uh, he's going to be with us, and we're going to have a great rolling conversation. Happy to take your calls, too. Portions of the show are brought to you by Y-Refi. Y-Refi is a great corporation here headquartered in Phoenix, Scottsdale Road in the 101. If you want to visit them, they won't ask you to sign anything. They won't give you a sales pitch. They just love talking about what it is that they do and leave the selling up to me. It's an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Think of this freedom. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and no penalty, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. I just want you to... (coughs) understand the collateral damage Mitt Romney has caused in saying what he said yesterday, including this quote, quote, a very large portion of my party really doesn't believe in the Constitution, close quote. What portion, Mitt? What portion? Doesn't believe in the Constitution. It's that kind of quote that generates this kind of essay in the New York Times, quote, Republicans don't mind the Constitution. It's democracy they don't like. And so Jamel Bowie in the New York Times writes an entire column, starting with the quote from Mitt Romney. And um, this this is the kind this is this is the reward, I suppose, we Republicans get for rallying to him in 2012, as we did, as we did. The non-wise, the group that doesn't believe in the Constitution. This is the Republican. Let us not forget who. The Democrats make no distinction about you're going to get all this encomia about Mitt Romney as he leaves from Democrats. Oh, I wish the Republican Party were more like Mitt Romney. Oh, Mitt Romney represents a Republican Party that once existed and no longer exists. Joe Biden will say he represents your grandfather's Republican Party, which this isn't. But when Mitt Romney was a challenge to them. 
when Mitt Romney was running in 2012, this president, as vice president, said to a black audience, Mitt Romney wants to put you all back in chains. To them, we're all the same. Don't take advice from Democrats about the best things and what's best for this party, please. And don't take advice from Mitt Romney either. I'm Seth Leapson, the great Pete Peterson, coming in the house. We'll be right back.